Welcome to Mock 10 Sports. In this November 9th, 2023 episode, we have a hell of a show for you. We have a hell of a show for you tonight. First of all, I, I, I was looking in the mirror for the show. I need a haircut. Actually, have one more. Three o'clock. In, in today's time, I know everything's expensive with inflation. Man, am I the only one around here that is paying like 50, 60 bucks for a haircut? I mean, it's ridiculous, man. Just for a man, a male haircut and a wash. I'm going to have to give away my first child. Who's due in about a week and a half, by the way. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I have a haircut. I'm fired up about it, but I'm not going to fi be fired up to insert my chip in there because it's probably going to be first child plus tip. It ends up being 60 bucks. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, some of this stuff. But let's get into it. You're here to talk a little SEC sports. We are here to give it to you. We have a great week 11 slate. We'll review all those matchups for you, all seven matchups, and give you paths to victory. For all 14 teams this weekend. It's officially college basketball season as well. So we'll review the early week action as well. We had a couple slip-ups in the SEC looking at you, Georgia, and especially Vanderbilt, losing to the Presbyterian Blue Hose. We will talk about that one in a minute. Uh, or not in a minute, probably about eh, 20, 30 minutes. A review the early week action. We'll review that as well as tomorrow's slate, Saturday and Sunday as well. We got a big slate tomorrow. We got a lot of good basketball games. We got Missouri Memphis. Uh, you got Tennessee, Wisconsin. You have some good matchups in the SEC. And under the radar, mid-major Alabama, Indiana State, the fighting Larry Birds rolling into Tuscaloosa. I think Alabama's a 16-point favorite. That should be an interesting test for NATO to squad. But we'll review the early week action, like I said, preview this upcoming weekend's action starting tomorrow. Uh, again, we have a fun-filled episode for you. Then the second rankings of the CFP, the college football rankings, were revealed on Tuesday night. We'll discuss where everyone landed and the SEC's path to the playoffs. It's not as just as simple as, I mean, obviously if Georgia wins out, they win the SEC, they're in. One lost SEC team needs to be cheering against some teams. And then the Week 11 money-making weekend, we're sitting at 40% on the season. Not good enough. But I think I got eight good matchups for you this weekend. I, I do like those. We got to get over 500. It's getting a little ridiculous at this point. Starting to kind of chat my, you know what? So uh, we got to get better, and I think, and I think we will because I like the eight picks we got. But let's get around it around the SEC baseball common opponents announced for the 25 season. Let me share it for you on the screen. The SEC announced this is included with Oklahoma and Texas in the league starting in 2025. Bring that up for you. Yeah. Thought I had it pulled up. Well, let me pull it up for you real fast, and I apologize for that. We will look at it. So they, they just to explain it to you, they did two common permanent opponents. Here we go. Let me get it back for you here. I apologize about that. Thought that I had that pulled up for me or for you. All right, so here we go. The SEC announces. The permanent opponents. So it potentially could have went to – so you have two permanent opponents and eight rotating opponents. So you'll play two teams every year, and this is who the SEC matched up with. Alabama, Auburn, and Tennessee. They'll see those two teams. They'll have a series with them every season. Arkansas gets Ole Miss and Missouri. Auburn gets Alabama and Georgia. Florida gets Georgia and South Carolina. Georgia gets Florida and Auburn. Kentucky gets South Carolina and Vanderbilt. LSU gets Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Ole Miss gets Mississippi State and Arkansas. Missouri gets Oklahoma and Arkansas. Oklahoma gets Missouri and Texas. South Carolina gets Kentucky, Florida. Tennessee gets Vanderbilt, Alabama. Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. Texas A&M gets Texas, LSU, and Vanderbilt gets Tennessee and Kentucky. The thing that uh, worries me a little bit, with this, you're not going to get LSU Ole Miss every year. You're not going to get LSU Arkansas every year. I mean, they're going to try to keep those as much as possible. But those are some deep dive SEC baseball rivalries. Tennessee, Arkansas. I mean, heck, SEC tries to screw us out of that one every year now until the fans revolt and they have to go change some schedules. So not real shocking with that. But, yeah, we'll lose some of those rivalries. But at the same time, you're adding Oklahoma and Texas, specifically Texas, a good baseball program across the board. And then Oklahoma played Ole Miss in the National Championship Series two years ago. So they've been to Omaha. They've done some damage in Omaha. So you're bringing two known brands into the conference and already the best baseball league in the country. But, again, the SEC announced in 2025 uh, they were going to do the five common opponents with five rotating, but they ended up deciding to do the two 
permanent opponents, the eight rotation. But that is where we stand right there. Just wanted to lead that off the top of the show because that was some news we saw uh, heading in to really the show. And I mentioned, talk a little bit about Lane Kiffin and the audio release. Let's talk about it now. So let me play the audio for you. This is kind of older news uh, with Lane Kiffin here. And it's him talking to DeSanto Rollins about his time. Pause it. I'll turn it up for you. Uh, he had a apparently a mental health issue where he was away from the team. Giving you some context here. Lane Kiffin, it sounds like, kept contacting him or someone on his staff kept contacting him, um, trying to get him to come up and meet with Coach Kiffin. And he kept saying he wasn't ready. I don't know if he was or not, but ended up saying he wasn't ready. Uh, about to play the audio here for you for 46 seconds. Let me turn up the volume. Let me know if you can't hear it, but hear it. You would have come here when you kept getting messages the head coach wants to talk to you and you saying, I'm not ready to talk to him. I wasn't. Well, what f world do you live in? I don't see why you got to be disrespectful, honestly. Get out of here. Go. Go. You're off the team. You're done. See ya. See ya. Because I'm. See ya. Go. Go. And guess what? We can kick you off the team. So go read your f***ing rights about mental health. We can kick you off the team for not showing up. When the head coach has to meet with you and you don't show up for weeks, okay, we can remove you from the team. It's called being a f***. It's called hiding behind sh and not showing up to work. If you That was really it. Just straight to the point. I mean, if you kept up with college football or SEC football just in general over the past few weeks, you've seen that out in articles. We, you saw the transcript of that. DeSanto Rollins recording him in the state of Mississippi. Only one party has to be aware of the recording, so this isn't illegal. I saw some people, some sports media people, maybe he may, he may be illegally recorded him. No, he didn't. Mississippi State's just a one party has to be aware of it. But from a standpoint here, this is not that uncommon. A kid that's away from the team for a while – Still wants the benefits from an academic tutor, the food, the cost of attendance check, COA check they get that differs, depends what city they're in, but can go from anywhere from $1,000 to $1,200 a month they're getting. Uh, they still want that. Sounded like this kid, don't know him personally. I'm not, I'm not going the soft uh, mental health, soft train, but it sounded like this kid wanted his cake and they eat it too. I don't really fault Lane Kiffin here. Call me insensitive. Call it what it is. Like he said, in the real world, if your boss, you could be sick, but if your boss called you for weeks and was like, hey, I just want to talk to you to see how you are, and you just say, I'm not ready, there's going to be some consequences to that. That's the real world. It just is. It's the real world. So I don't really understand the whole sneaking. I have a problem with you sneaking in a recorder. It's almost like he was trying to a gotcha moment. Um from just working in the industry, I've seen this stuff happen before, a bunch of parent meetings with the individual kid, obviously not with the program. You probably go talk to a bunch of different departments. They don't really want to deal with him either. It's just from a standpoint of how can we legally kick this kid off the team without him trying to have, file a lawsuit against us. And I think that's where Ole Miss was. Again, I don't know all the details. It was brought up again today. The audio was released. I just wanted to bring it up. I'm on Lane Kiffin's side from the information that has been presented to us so far. Just the information we have so far. Sounds like the kid was trying to set him up from an I gotcha standpoint. Wasn't really happy with his standing on the team. Didn't really sound like the kid even really wanted to be on the team. Because, again, it wasn't like Lane Kiffin was asking him, hey, you got to be at 6 a.m. runs tomorrow. We're running, running 31 tens. You need to be there. No, he just wanted to meet with him. And I'm sure someone on his staff, his chief of staff, director of football ops, was constantly in communication with this kid trying to get him up there. He'd relay the message, Coach Kiffin, he says he's not ready to meet with you. Kiffin got tired of it. I'm just kind of like, I'm tired of dealing with it. You're off the team. Kid went into it trying to get him. I I got you. I got you. You tell me F off. You don't care. No, I would like to hear the full recording as well. But just want to address this. I think it's being blown out of proportion a little bit. Mental health's a real deal now, guys. I, I'm just letting you know from that standpoint. Sometimes we use it as a crutch. I'm just going to leave it at that. But Lane Kiffin, the audio between him and DeSanto Rollins coming out. I really don't. I think it's kind of a bunch of nothing, if I'm being completely honest with you. But just wanted to bring it up before we get deep into this episode. But moving on, 
College football playoff rankings, guys. I think it's the first time ever the all top five teams in the college football playoff rankings are all undefeated right now. I mean, if we scratched across the board, we have our standings. Maybe adjusted a little bit seating, but we'd have our four teams. Uh, but, again, some of them play each other. But let's pull it up, the week two college football playoff rankings. Pulling it up for you right now. Here we go. Starting at 25, you have K-State. You have North Carolina checking in at 24th, Tulane 23, Iowa 22, Arizona 21, Notre Dame 20th, LSU dropping to 19th from the SEC, Utah at 18th, future SEC team, Oklahoma checking in at 17th. The, the Kansas Jayhawks, the Dirty Birds, baby, coming in at 16th. Oklahoma State has got, got a straight shot ahead of heading to Arlington for the Big 12 title game. It's crazy after them just getting skull dragged by South Alabama. Now there's a they control their own destiny to get to Arlington for that conference championship game. Missouri, another SEC representative, coming in at 14th. Tennessee, we have the Battle of Missouri, Tennessee, one of the more underrated games in the country. Most interesting game to me. You heard me. Most interesting game, even over Ole Miss, Georgia to me. It's a battle for second place in the East, if not better. Oregon State, the Beavs coming in at 12. Louisville, straight shot, similar to Oklahoma State to get into Charlotte for the ACC title game. They're coming in at 11th. Penn State, massive opportunity this weekend at home at Happy Valley against Michigan. Ole Miss coming in at ninth from the SEC. Alabama coming in at eighth. Texas seventh. Oregon sixth. Washington fifth. Florida State four. Michigan three. Georgia two. Ohio State one. Eh, not real shocking there. I thought Georgia may move up. Over Ohio State after them struggling at half with Rutgers. Michigan got their Michigan's got their real opportunity this week. Florida State with an interesting one against Miami this week. Washington gets Utah at home, sneaky matchup. Oregon gets USC coming to their house. Texas looks like Quinn Ewers is going to get the start in Fort Worth against TCU. And Alabama rolls over to Athens for their match, or rolls over to sorry Lexington and Ole Miss rolls over to Athens for their chance to potentially. They win this. We started at 11-1 right in the face. But, I mean, bad news here for the SEC. We're real on this show. We're not going you know, to sugarcoat stuff. We're, we're real and honest on this show. The SEC, I mean, let's just say you get one of the winners, Ohio State-Michigan, undefeated. That's one team in. Georgia goes undefeated. They're in. So, let's just say Georgia loses to Alabama. We're saying here Alabama is the 12-1 SEC champ. You got the winner of Ohio State-Michigan. Let's just say Florida State goes undefeated. There's a second spot. Let's say Washington goes undefeated, beats Oregon again. There's the third spot. Texas runs the table, wins the Big 12, beats Oklahoma State. There's your fourth team. You get both Alabama and Texas, 12-1 and conference champs. But as you know, let's go back in our time machine. These two teams played the second weekend in September in Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama by double digits. I think Alabama's a totally different team now, but I don't think you can discredit that win for the future SEC uh, rivalry or rival in Texas. Texas would have to get the nod. They would have to get the nod. So, I mean, if you're Alabama, you're cheering for a Michigan loss this week to Penn State. Obviously cheering for Miami against Florida State. Um, obviously any loss for Ohio State. I mean, you'd love Utah to beat Washington or Oregon to beat – or USC to beat Oregon or TCU beat Texas. I mean, chances are there's a 25 – there's a tw chances are something like – one of these teams is going to lose is what I'm trying to say. Texas could lose. I mean, Oregon, Washington right to play each other again. But what if it comes down to a 12 and one Oregon redeeming their loss to Washington against a 12 and one Alabama? I think Alabama would have the better resume because, like Greg McElroy said, Oregon's beaten one team with a winning record. Alabama would have a much better resume than Oregon. But if it's head to head with Texas for that four spot, I don't know how Alabama jumps them. If I'm being honest with you, I, I, I'm being completely honest with you. I don't know how Alabama would jump them. But, again, not, I mean, Penn State could beat Michigan. That would help. Florida State, I'm still not sold on Florida State just rolling through and winning out. It just seems kind of in their DNA maybe a little. This week, watch out, Mario Cristobal and them. Everybody remember the Georgia Tech not just kneeling, which was a disaster. I'm not defending that. But he played at Miami. He knows how serious this Miami-Florida State rivalry is, and he knows it would do wonders for his future at Miami if they could go upset the Knowles at Dope Campbell Stadium this week. He knows that. I'm not saying Miami's going to win. That's a sneaky one, though. But, again, Alabama needs to be cheering. I mean, they can handle Georgia themselves here in early December, but they need to be cheering 
for whoever plays the Ohio States, Michigans, Florida States, Washington, Oregons, and Texas in the world. They need to be cheering for one, two, three, four, five, six, cheering against these six teams every week. Now, something tells me the mask can work out. If Alabama finishes 12 and one, beats an undefeated Georgia who hadn't lost a game since Alabama last beat them in December of 2021, they'd have the best win in college football in the last two years. Easily be a case for Alabama, but I don't think they're going to win that head-to-head with Texas. I think they would win the head-to-head against Oregon. And I think that's likely. Because I think Ohio State Michigan is going to take care of themselves. Let's just say one Big Ten, Big Ten team gets in. Let's just say one, Florida State runs the table they're in. Bama beats Georgia, so Georgia's out. And let's say Oregon beats Washington. And then you got Texas wins out. I think Texas would get in. And then you're really talking Oregon-Alabama. Is the Oregon redeeming their one loss on the road at Washington? Is that better than Alabama's resume? I don't know. I don't. I mean, they're redeeming that loss to Washington, but that's not a better win than Alabama beating Georgia, giving Georgia their first loss in two years. That'll be the interesting battle there, but something to keep it on. It's just Alabama beat LSU. They're in the driver's seat. They clinched the SEC West this week. They can beat Georgia. They need a little help. Need a little help. Just wanted to go through the college football playoff rankings. Again, Ohio State comes in at number one, Georgia two, Michigan three, Florida State four, Washington five, Oregon six, Texas seven, Alabama eight, uh, Ole Miss nine. I mean, if you want to go to a 10 or 11 who have real shots, Penn State 10, again, massive opportunity this week at home against Michigan. Then Louisville still controls their own destiny, have potential to get a shot at Florida State in Charlotte is a one-loss team. So Moving on from this standpoint, it's week 11 preview, guys. Let's go to the standings. Let me share. Let me share. Let me share the SEC standings heading into week 11. Here we go. Let's check it out for you. Georgia coming in 6-0, 9-0 overall. Georgia wins this week at home against Ole Miss. They clinch the SECs. They will be heading to Atlanta. Missouri, 7-2, 3-2 overall. Same as Tennessee, 7-2, 3-2. In the conference, these two teams at Fort Stadium this week, they will match up. They will lock heads for a real shot to finish second in the SEC East. For Tennessee, if Georgia loses to Ole Miss and Tennessee wins this week, it'll be winner take all for the SEC East next week in Neyland. So let that sink in. Kentucky, six and three overall, three and three. They get Alabama this week. Florida, five and four, three and three overall. They had two Baton Rouge to play LSU this week. South Carolina, three and six overall, one and five. They host Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt, 2-8, and 0-6. Oh South Carolina Vanderbilt fighting it out for the cellar-dweller spot in the East. In the SEC West, Alabama, 8-1, 6-0. We talked about their one loss to Texas just a moment ago. Alabama can wrap up the SEC West with a win in Lexington Sunday or Saturday morning. It's a big one for Alabama. Ole Miss still in the playoff hunt, 8-1, 5-1. Massive opportunity. Probably the biggest regular season game for Ole Miss football in Potentially ever you can make a case this week in Athens. Massive opportunity, but five and one in conference. LSU six and three, four and two, like I mentioned, host Florida this week. Texas AM, five and four, three and three. They host Mississippi State at Kyle Field. Auburn, five and four, two and four. They head to Fayetteville to face Arkansas. And it's a very underrated game, too. Not a lot on the line, but for both teams, gotta be feeling good about their opportunities after two big wins last week. Mississippi State, four and five, one and five. Mentioned Zach Arnett and his team. A lot of distractions will be heading to College Station this week. And Arkansas, mentioned, will be hosting the Auburn Tigers. But Arkansas, currently six, three and six, one and five in the league. So we got some teams. Georgia, Alabama can wrap up their respective divisions, put that game on the schedule for the first week in December. That'll be, God, that'll be, that's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a really fun game that most likely happens. But again, it's sneaky game. If Georgia were to lose to Ole Miss, and I, and we'll get to the preview. And Tennessee beats Missouri. We got a winner take all in the SEC East. Do not forget about that. But let's move to the week 11 previews. Starting first, Alabama at Kentucky, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time Zone on ESPN. Alabama currently an 11 point favorite heading to the Krogue, the Kroger Field. Setting the tone for you in this one, Alabama rolled. Going into with a chance to wrap up the SEC Western Division, like I mentioned. Traditionally, this spot has been a spot Alabama slept walk through. It's usually Mississippi State. It's Kentucky this year. They moved that Mississippi State game up. But I've seen Alabama in my lifetime play some, especially under Nick Saban in this slot, just because it's they, they invest so much emotionally in the LSU game. 
they kind of sleepwalk this Mississippi State game. Kentucky, they've gotten better over the past two weeks. Even the loss to Tennessee, I thought that was their best offensive performance. Devin Leary had a bit of a scare last week, but said on Tuesday he's going to be ready to go. They initially said it was an eye scratch or injury, but I think it was more of a uh, precaution from a concussion standpoint. But it supposedly, according to offense coordinator Liam Cohen, Devin Leary, he will be rocking and rolling this week. The energy should be high around Lexington this week. Last home game, senior day, players on teams, for like Kentucky, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and even Ole Miss, they love these opportunity games against Alabama. It's, it's opportunities to put, to put film on tape, man, to go put some film out there for NFL scouts to see you against the best. These teams rise to the occasion. Even if they have nothing to play for from a championship standpoint, Kentucky's going to bring it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this is not a game or an Alabama team that can just roll the balls out and win comfortably if they don't play well. And that's okay. But you've heard me mention it before. This is a maturity game. This is one of them for this team after a big win last week at home against LSU. You've been in your home domain. You haven't been on the, a true road game in what? Woo. Since Texas A&M, it's been about a month. It's been a while. It's early game. It'll, it'll be an interesting challenge for Alabama. Test the maturity. But where this game will be won for Alabama, I think it's the passing game. Last week, Alabama didn't have to show it. It was the Jalen Milrow on the ground show and the passing game can be explosive at times. They just had to show it last week. I think they have some matchup advantages here because on the other side of that, the Kentucky secondary can give up explosive plays through the air pretty easily. They're currently 12th in passing yards allowed per game, this Kentucky defense is. 236 yards per game given up. Now, that is a lot. Now, that's a lot. Also factor in, this is probably one of Mark Stoops' worst tackling teams he's had, especially in the back end for Kentucky. Because usually they're pretty good. But you go back and watch that Tennessee game, they left a lot on the table. They left a lot on the table. from They had opportunities to stop Tennessee, force them to punt. But they just wasn't a scheme thing. Just Mano Imano couldn't make a tackle, bring him to the ground. So guys like Jermaine Burton, Kobe Prentice, Jalen Hall, all Alabama's receivers are going to have opportunities to pick up yards after the catch in the secondary. The short screen game, now game, tunnel screens, short hitches. I think you can pick up some yards after the initial catch. And then – that sets up deep shots later for guys like Isaiah Bond having the ability to take the defense or take the top off the defense. But from Kentucky's standpoint, where this game will be won, it's the big blue wall. It's the offensive line for Kentucky. No, Kentucky doesn't necessarily have an advantage up front against this Alabama front seven, but this unit is going to have to be good to solid for Kentucky to have a real shot to pull this upset off. They struggled to get Ray Davis going against the last good front seven they played in Tennessee. And, that can't happen if they really want to leave. They really want to shake up the college football world on Saturday afternoon. Now, to help Kentucky here, Alabama's leader in the front seven, their inside linebacker Deontay Lawson will most likely be out with a foot injury. Nick Saban said that yesterday in his Wednesday presser. Now, he has his coaches show right now. He may update it, but he said they had not practiced all week, him and safety Jalen Key. And usually if you aren't practicing by Wednesday, you're not going to play. So the title of the guy, the communicator, the leader, especially in the front seven and probably the whole defense probably out. So it's going to leave some stuff up to the Jihad Campbells, Tresman Marshalls of the world to pick up the slack for Alabama. But the big blue wall for Kentucky has to play its best game of the season, in my opinion. But prediction, look, a lot of people have mentioned this being a trap game for Alabama for weeks now. Flashback to 2008 after the Georgia blackout game. I keep hearing it. I say that because Alabama came back home after beating Georgia in the blackout game and play terrible against Kentucky. They won, but it was it was ugly. But it's an early game off a big win in a spot Alabama traditionally, like I mentioned earlier, sleepwalks through. It's traditionally Mississippi State in this game. But if this game is close at half, I think it's just a la lazy narrative to assume Alabama didn't just give Kentucky the proper attention. This is a solid Kentucky club. Alabama has played above average to good teams close through most of the first half of the season so far. It just is what it is. It's just who this Alabama team is. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. Like I said, it's just a, it is what it is. But I expect much of the same this Saturday in Lexington. But with all that being said, Kentucky's going to have to establish the run if they want to have a shot at actually completing the upset when it's all said and done. And against good units this season, the big blue wall has struggled. Throw in this is Kentucky defense is one of the worst tackling units, like I mentioned previously, that Mark, Sto Mark Stoops has yielded. And I think we have won a one-score game at half, but ultimately Alabama takes full control at the end of the third quarter has a really good second half like they have all year. Give me Alabama 31-17. to 17. Moving on. 
Vanderbilt at South Carolina, 11 a.m. Central Standard Times on SEC Network. South Carolina currently favored, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, favored by 14, the Gamecocks are. Setting the tone for you here. And what is there to say about this one? I mean, battle staying out of the cellar dweller in the SEC East and the overall league. It's a big game for both teams, though, but more so for South Carolina. They are still fighting for their bowl lives. They went out, they beat Vandy, beat Kentucky, and beat Clemson. They're bowl eligible. The positive, all three of those games are at home. The negative, South Carolina's not a consistent team. Shane Beamer's seat a little hot. Yeah, wouldn't say hot. Say, uh, Let's just say someone is going to chop down a tree to go get the wood to start a fire. As weird as that analogy is, I don't think they've lit it yet. They're just going to go get the woods to start it. Now, maybe that's even too early, but if he loses out, yeah, probably. I mean, even if they don't go to a bowl game, I think that's where we're at. But on the Vanderbilt side, Clark Lee, I think he's going to make some staff changes. He came out. Mentioned NIL, mentioned they need to coach a little better. A, little, a lot of writing on the wall that Vanderbilt's going to make some coordinator staff changes this uh, coming offseason. But let's get to it. Where this game will be won for Vanderbilt? Turnovers. Tips and overthrows, we got to have them, is what you should be saying. Tips and overthrows, got to have them if the, if the opportunity presents itself. Vandy doesn't do a lot great this year. There's no denying it. But forcing the second most turnovers in the SEC is one of them. They do a good job of that. They're tied with Ole Miss for second in the SEC in forced turnovers. Though in the fact that if you win the turnover battle often, you can often pull road upsets when you're a double-digit underdog. This is Vandy's path to victory. For South Carolina, where it'll be won, it's the passing game. Spencer Rattler should continue to build off his solid season so far. He's been the bright spot for South Carolina this year. He really hadn't had a bad game. A lot of drops. The offensive line can't protect him. But maybe the most underrated season of any quarterback in college football this year is not being talked enough about because his team isn't good enough. Man, he's had a solid season. Vandy Addin has the worst, second worst passing offense just in front of South Carolina themselves. Should be a big day for Spencer, Spencer Rattler. Just not a lot of athletes on that Vanderbilt back end to stop guys like Xavier Leggett, even the true freshman Nicholas Harbor. But prediction time. Prediction time. Let me get to it. All right, prediction time here. Sorry about that. We went out for a little bit. Look, South Carolina has not had many matchup advantages going to many conference matchups this year. But Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett and the South Carolina wide receivers have a big mismatch advantage against this Vanderbilt secondary. Everybody has all year. With that being said, they do need to limit the turnovers as Vandy does a pretty good job at forcing them. South, South Carolina needs to start off fast at home, put Vandy away early. They do not need to go into the fourth quarter with Vanderbilt having a chance to win this game. It's going to give them unwarranted confidence. You don't want to do that. But I do think this will be a close game in the first half. But Beamer Ball gets back on track with a big special teams play that gives South Carolina a much-needed double-digit conference win. Might usually want to overemphasize where kind of a game's played, but I do think this will be important in this one. Give me South Carolina – 34-220. Moving, moving up next, go to our next game here. Tennessee at Missouri, 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on CBS. CBS picked this game. CBS picked this game over the Georgia uh, Ole Miss game. So I, I told you, this is one of the more interesting games of the weekend. Tennessee currently favored by one and a half, setting the tone for you here. A true 9-10 win season on the line here for both teams. Like I said, real second place on the line here for the SEC West. Both teams feel good about their season so far, but a win here guarantees at worst a second place finish in the SEC West East. This is the most interesting game of the weekend. I keep saying it. But has Tennessee put the road woes behind them? I'm asking. They win this game, I think you kind of got to put that narrative to rest. I'm not saying they are from this standpoint, though, but hear me out from the Missourian. Missouri cannot let Georgia beat them twice. That happens to a lot of teams when they play elite teams back-to-back -back weekends. Missouri played really well. I was I was impressed with Missouri, but they can't bring that back to Como. I mean, they can, Missouri could legitimately finish 10-2 and two with a win on Saturday. They get Florida at home after this and add Arkansas. They're better than both those teams. I'm not going to say they're going to win both those games, but they're better than them. But they have to wash – they got, they got to cleanse their hands, wash that game, throw it away. Just get it out. It's a tough schedule matchup too because, honestly, Tennessee got UConn last week where 
mean, could you say Georgia's at that point now where they beat teams twice like Alabama used to? Um, but Missouri's best overall weapon on offense, questionable loser burden, which could be massive in this game. But where it'll be won, Kentucky's inside linebackers, Aaron Beasley, will be the key in this one, in my opinion. The lead inside linebacker here for the Vols defense. The stretch plays, the outside stretch, outside zone plays that Missouri's going to run will be key. The linebackers got to stay home and stay disciplined, stay in their gaps. They have to. Also add in Brady Cook has the ability to go pick up yardage with his legs. Aaron Beasley and this inside Tennessee line, this inside backers room at Tennessee is going to be key to this game. I know that's short and sweet, but going back and watching the game, it was clear they Georgia struggled with the stretch plays on, on the outside this past week against Missouri. Missouri can run the football, guys. They got one of the more underrated offensive lines in the country. Add in, they have the leading rusher in the SEC in Cody Schrader. Run game can get going, so Tennessee's inside linebackers will be key. For Missouri, speaking of them, just talked about them, the Missouri offensive line, Missouri's offensive line is going to have to bring it back-to-back weekends. They rushed for 151 yards last week for an average of 4.4 yards per carry against a solid Georgia unit. Like I said, one of the more underrated position groups in the country, this this Missouri offensive line. I like Armand Mimbo, the right tackle. He gets me excited when I go watch Missouri film. But Tennessee, on the other hand, they have a good front seven. They really do. Tyler Barron, um, a lot of guys up front on that team. I mean, Omar Norman Lott, you like a lot of those guys on that Tennessee, offense, that, on that Tennessee defensive front. Aaron Beasley, I talked about it a minute ago, has had a fantastic year. Uh, this will be another challenge for this Missouri offensive line. They have to establish the run game early. But prediction, this game could go numerous ways. See it drawn up numerous ways. Remember, I said this is the most interesting game in the conference this week, in my opinion. You heard me. Luther Burden, questionable in this one with an ankle injury sustained last week in Athens. The key to this game will be Tennessee's linebackers at the second level and how they defend the stretch plays that Missouri's going to run that Georgia struggled with last week. Then on the other side, it's going to be Missouri's offensive line bringing that performance in Athens last week back-to-back with them to Columbia. In how it will be won, this is a head-to-head battle. I usually don't do that, but in this one I am. I really do think Tennessee's defensive front is going to determine the outcome of this game. Can they generate more of a pass rush? I mean, their pass rush has seemed to disappear since the first half of the Alabama game. But with that being said, give me Tennessee and an improved emerging Joe Milton making one more play down down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I think this, this feels like a late Charles Campbell kick, late game field goal to give Tennessee the 31-28 win. Tennessee's just going to go get on that plane and be the biggest Ole Miss Rebel fans around after that. Um, but moving on after that, Auburn at Arkansas, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on the SEC Network. Arkansas minus two and a half. Setting the tone for you. Both teams here, Arkansas and Auburn, have to be feeling good about themselves heading into this one. Arkansas got a much-needed victory off of bye week on the road after, after simplifying the offense, after firing Danny Nose. They had two weeks to get ready. Interim OC, Kenny Guyton. Simplified the plan for KJ Jefferson. Like I said, I posted all over social media. I was never a fan of the Danny Nose hire. Thought he was going to overcomplicate stuff for KJ Jefferson. They seem to simplify that. I mean, Sam Pittman came out and said they took out 35% of the offense. And that's where KJ Jefferson excels when it's simplified for him and he can go make some improvision plays. Auburn rolling into this one after two SEC wins in a row. I mean, granted against Vanderbilt and Mississippi State, but still two SEC wins in a row. Auburn can get to seven wins before the Iron Bowl. Before Alabama rolls into town in two weeks, uh, in two weeks with this win this weekend, Arkansas on the other hand has to win out to get to a bowl game. But with FIU and at home against Missouri, when this weekend could go a long way to getting that done, how successful can both offenses be against two improved defensive units? I mean, Ron Roberts at Auburn improved Auburn's defense tremendously. Travis Williams, an Auburn alum, former Auburn linebacker, is the Arkansas defensive coordinator. He's improved that unit. Where it'll be one for Auburn, defensive line. That's where I think it's going to be one for Auburn. Auburn is a pretty stout first unit on the defensive line. Guys like Marcus Harris, I think that have emerged and stepped up. They can give this Arkansas offensive line, who has struggled for a decent part of the year, some, tru- some trouble in my opinion. Now, some of the number of snaps and depth will be a concern for Auburn. Auburn's kind of wilted away at times on defense just due to just depth and just overall personnel in a lot of second halves. They will, they will stay in the first half, kind of wear down a little bit. But I think this unit can hold up in the run game. Now, where they do need a little help is they need someone like Keldrick Falk or Jalen McLeod to step up 
off the edge and provide more of a pass rush. Auburn doesn't get much of a pass rush unless they blitz. They can't get it with four. So that'll be something to uh, keep an eye on. But Auburn does have an improved defensive line that I think can hold their own, not have an advantage against an Arkansas offensive line. For Arkansas, it's let K.J. Jefferson be K.J. Jefferson like he did in the Swamp last week. K.J. Jefferson is not the kind of guy you want to keep in a box, man. You just you let him loose, let him play his game. His biggest strength, in my opinion, is his ability to improvise. Like I said, Danny knows that's why that experiment failed. Put too much on him. But just like last week, get it to your playmakers' hands like KJ Jefferson, Rocket Sanders. Let's not overcomplicate things, Kenny Guyton and Sam Pittman. Just do what you do, guys. That's what KJ Jefferson does. It's not always pretty, but he'll have some plays where he improvises. You're like, holy hell, how do you do that? They need some of those plays. But prediction. This is going to be a fun game. I think sandwiched in between the 2.30 window, 3 o'clock kickoff. Another very interesting game where both staffs probably feel really good about their chances heading to this one. Really quite a bit to play for for both programs here. I mean, Hugh Freeze would love a bowl game to start off his uh, tenure at Auburn. Sam Pittman would love to turn their season around. But both defenses stand out here when we're viewing the film. Both improved units. Something just tells me at home. What you assume would be another simplified offensive game plan that KJ Jefferson makes a play late that puts Arkansas over the top. That's just the feel I get. I think Kenny Guyton keeps it simple. KJ Jefferson makes a play late that puts Arkansas over the top. I think both defenses play respectable. They put up respectable performances. But the former Auburn linebacker Travis Williams and his Arkansas defense clamps down in the second half to help Arkansas make it two in a row, two SEC wins in a row for the Hawks. Give me Arkansas 27 to 20. Next, we have two games left here. Ole Miss, the big one. Ole Miss at Georgia, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on ESPN. Georgia currently 11.5-point favorite. Apparently the weather is going to be bad in Athens this week, so I changed my score prediction. I'll, I'll tell you what it was when we get to it. But setting the tone, we know Georgia's situation. Went out, you're in the CFP playoff like we were talking about the playoffs earlier. You're trying to make an historic 3 p. It's all still in front of you. But you also have an opportunity to – Check the box your first goal heading into each season if you're Georgia here. That's winning the SEC East. I don't. You don't want to go lose this game and have to go win the SEC East in a winner-take-all situation in Knoxville next week. You just don't. Because when Tennessee's good, Neyland Stadium is probably the hardest place to play in the SEC. You heard it here first. Georgia doesn't want to get to that. They don't. Ole Miss, I feel like he's rolling into this game with some house money. While the SEC West is likely a long shot, they'd need Alabama to lose to both Kentucky and Auburn. Both games are in the road, but I don't see that. The Rebs still have a shot to make the playoffs, outside chance. In a lot of other years, they would have a real shot. They will, however, have to start playing better football on the road, though. Offensively, listen to this stat. They're averaging 20 less points per game on the road this season. That's significant. That's some guy on Twitter being like, it's because we play all our good teams at home, all the bad teams at home, and we just, I mean, just like every other team, we don't play well on the road. 20 points less? That's significant, man. It's not like it's, a, all right, we average – 28 at home, and we averaged 24 on the road. 20 points? It's a lot, man. Even going back the last two seasons, I went and looked it up. I believe in the last two seasons, Ole Miss is a 17-point-per-game differential from home and away games. That's, a, that's, a, that's significant. But where this game will be won, Ole Miss establishing the run game. The offense is going to have to get the run game going if they want to have any chance to win. And that's usually any case with Lane Kiffin, especially against good opponents. Georgia's shown some vulnerabilities defensively against stretch plays on the edges. Just go turn the film last week against the Missouri offensive line and Cody Schrader. They went for 151 yards on him. Ole Miss does a really good job of running those concepts, and it's honestly plays to the strengths of their personnel in the backfield. Guys like Quinchon Judkins, Ulysses Bentley, turned into a solid unit. Another thing to factor in is just Jackson Dart needs to just be good enough in the run game to beat Georgia. I'm not talking about he's got a rush for 150, have a Jaden Daniels against Alabama performance. Just 60 to 80 yards. Use him in some of the design stuff. And then when it's a third and eight, if it breaks down, you got to go get it, Jackson. That'll put a lot of stress on the Georgia defense. For Georgia, where it'll be one. On the other side, it's stopping the run. If Georgia can stop this run game, it could get away from Ole Miss. The whole offense starts and ends with the run game. Now, Georgia isn't as good as they have been against the run, but it's still a solid unit. 15th in the country in rushing defense. You throw in, they're kind of like Alabama this week. Their leader on defense, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, most likely out with a broken forearm. You have a true freshman, C.J. Allen, getting legitimate minutes versus one of the best run schemes in the conference, and if not the country. And I think there's going to be a lot of run in this game with what the weather is 
projected to be. But prediction time, I'm not usually one to overemphasize where a game is played because eight out of nine times of out of ten, the better football team wins the game if we're playing in Sanford Stadium or if we're playing in the Kroger parking lot over there. With that being said, the big drop-off in offensive production on the road is alarming to me. Remember, a 20-point differential in Ole Miss's offensive production from home and away. Adam Georgia has not gotten a big night, big night game yet this season. The Sanford Stadium and the Georgia fans' opportunity to really help their team in a game where they, for, a, for the first time in a while, feel threatened, kind of like Alabama had against Tennessee and LSU where the fans had a big portion of the outcome. Now, would Georgia have to fill the hole vacated by Jamon Dumas-Johnson, which would be something to keep an eye on here with C.J. Allen moving into that. I love Ole Miss in the first half in this one, but it seems in every road game, Ole Miss will have some back-breaking procedure penalty due to some miscommunication in the run game. Those can't happen if Ole Miss ultimately wants to leave Athens with a win. On offense, I fully expect Georgia to put up points this week. Ole Miss plays a lot of zone. I think Georgia can have success against that. The key is going to come down, in my opinion, to how well Ole Miss runs the football. It's that simple. At the end of the day, this will be another close game at the half, but Georgia's halftime adjustments and key pre-snap penalties late will not allow Ole Miss to leave Athens with a win. And it's why Ole Miss won't be able to finish the job. Give me Georgia 28-20. I originally had it 34-20 Georgia, but with the weather, I could see Georgia getting up maybe two scores and Kirby just being very simple. But, again, Ole Miss in the run game, especially with uh Demon or Jamon Demos Johnson, him being out and a true freshman playing, almost going to have their scheme fits into this. A lot of split zone, throwing Caden Priestcorn into the run game as well. Almost has an opportunity in this game. Need to get it to the fourth quarter. Um, moving on, the last game of the evening. Or sorry, we got two more. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Florida at LSU, 6:30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, SEC Network. LSU minus 13 and a half right now. This is not a guaranteed matchup anymore in the, in the future of the SEC, and that's kind of sad. I love this matchup. Even as a kid growing up, I hope we continue to see it as the SEC expands. But LSU coming off a tough loss to Alabama. Same with Florida. Tough loss at home to Arkansas, one they probably should have had. But will Jaden Daniels play is the question. Sounds like he will, getting some Twitter updates. Brian Kelly said he was going to be a game-time decision, but on his coach's show, it sounds like he's determined he's going to play. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer would get the nod if Jaden Daniels, for some reason, couldn't play. For LSU fans, it feels like a little feast or famine for them when Nussmeyer plays. But uh, Billy Napier in Florida need one more win to get to bowl eligibility. They have at LSU this week, at Missouri, then host Florida State. It's going to be tough. Last week was one they needed, but how quickly do they get over that? How hot is Billy Napier's seat? I mean, they're going to have to make some improvements in coaching in the offseason. Recruiting, keeping that number three recruiting class together, going into the portal and fixing some holes. I think Billy Napier's got to hire an office coordinator. He can't keep calling plays. I think that's going to have to change. I, Billy Napier should get another year 100%, in my opinion. His ultimate, his ultimate outcome of how long he'll be at Florida will be determined this offseason. I'll say that. Between his coaching changes, what he changes on his staff, support staff, do they keep the number three recruiting class, their high school class together? Do they bring in some portal needs? And he needs to give up play calling. He needs to give up play calling is big to me. That's key. But speaking specifically on this game, sorry, I get asked about Billy Napier on the hot seat a lot, so I just want to talk about that. What this game will be one for Florida. It's win on third down offensively. You need to keep the LSU offense on the sideline. This LSU defense is like the T.I. song. You can have whatever you like, baby. Let's play it for you. Real quick, let's get it going. I'm going to share my screen for you. I'm going to steal this one from my guy, Blake Rafino from Are You Serious Sports. He mentioned it. I had to steal it. But this is what the LSU defense has been like this year. If you're an offense, this T.I. song sums it up perfectly for you going against this LSU defense. Hey, Jim. You know the old sugar daddy. They be tricking. They tell them, girl. I see you can have whatever you like. Offenses have been having whatever they like on you. All I wanted to talk about it for just a minute. But, like I said, offenses have been getting whatever they like, whatever they want on this LSU defense. Florida does a lot of motioning with tight ends that I think LSU is going to struggle with. They, they're going to get creative in the run game. Throw in, you have two really good running backs for Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne. You have opportunities to run the football. Those are two Louisiana kids, by the way. 
kind of chaps some LSU fans' butts this week when they think about that. But for LSU, where this game will be won, continuing to generate explosive plays no matter who the quarterback is. It does look like it's going to be Jane Daniels now. But he's got to keep up the explosive plays, whether that's through the air or on the ground. LSU leads the nation in plays that generate 20 plays or more, 77. Florida's not a great defensive team, and like some other teams, they struggle to tackle. They have all year. Them, Kentucky, and South Carolina are the two teams that just come off the top of my head just struggling to tackle. If LSU gets the ball enough, they're going to get their points offensively. So Florida's got to keep them off the field. But prediction, this game can go a couple different routes, in my opinion. Does Jaden Daniels play? Sounds like he is. Do they run him as much? Does he decide to run as much? We'll see. Can Florida go get a big win, in, the biggest win in Billy Napier's era, in my opinion? Florida's getting LSU at the perfect time. They're kind of like Alabama. They traditionally struggle right off this game, and they played really bad after beating Alabama last year against Arkansas. And I know Florida's coming off a loss themselves, but here is the path to victory. Staying on the field on third down and being committed to the run game, because I think LSU's going to struggle with Florida's motion. I think they are. If Florida can establish the run game consistently, they can win this game. But at the end of the day, even if it's Garrett Nussmeyer playing some, until I see it, I just cannot pick Florida winning this game. I do think Napier plays this game different. I think he has a good game plan coming into this. But I just – LSU's too explosive, and at the end of the day, I think LSU wins this high-scoring fair. Give me LSU 35-31. In our last matchup of the weekend, we're heading to Kyle Field, Aggieland, Mississippi State – at Texas A&M, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on ESPN2. Texas A&M currently favored by 19. Both Adidas schools here, they don't have to change much up except the patches on these logos on these two teams. I used to work at A&M, had some buddies who worked at Mississippi State. We got the same gear. Both teams are maroon. Both teams are Adidas schools. Just want to throw that out there. But setting the tone, both teams coming in feeling they've underachieved folks so far this season, and that is absolutely true. Both coaches on the hot seat, depending on who you talk to. And then both teams are potentially likely to play with two backup quarterbacks in this one. Mike Wright or Chris Parsons from State. Saw Chris Parsons a little bit at the end of the game last week against Kentucky. And then Jalen Henderson from Texas A&M, the Fresno State transfer. I think he's played like five games, had seven throws. Uh, not even worth bringing up the stats. But Max Johnson, I think, has some bruised or cracked ribs. Still questionable heading into this one. Jimbo Fisher seemed a little confident he'd play in this one. But we could have a battle with some backup quarterbacks again, whether State goes in Mike Wright. Chris Parsons, or AM goes with Jalen Henderson. But where this game will be won for Mississippi State, somehow, some way, just generate some explosive plays. I mean, it looks like Will Rogers won't give it a go, but the Mississippi State offense has had plenty of time to play to Mike Wright's strengths, and it just seems like Kevin Gabarbe and the boys have just not been able to get anything going. Just be adequate or a serviceable quarterback, Mike Wright. It seems all or nothing for you. It's been four or five weeks. you got to get something going. If something changes, do they start Chris Parsons? That's a tough ask at Kyle Field. But they have to generate an explosive play some way, somehow. For AM, it's real simple. Turnovers. Texas AM doesn't have key turnovers. They should win this game. It's that simple. Prediction. Getting to it real quick. Texas AM is not in good shape right now, but they are better across the board than Mississippi State is right now. A lot of smoke around Zach Arnett's job. That's the focus for a lot of Mississippi State fans. If Mississippi State had Will Rogers and Woody Marks, things could get interesting in this one. Only way I see AM losing this is if they give Mississippi State short fields, off turnovers, or poor special teams play. But just off personnel alone, Texas AM is the better team, and it's at Kyle Field. AM should be able to get back on the winning track this week, especially at home. Give me Texas AM 28 to 10. So that is a wrap on the football previews of this week. Again, Starting off with Alabama, I got Alabama getting the 31-17 win over Kentucky. South Carolina getting the 34-20 home win against Vanderbilt. Having uh, Then I got Tennessee getting oops, sorry, the 31-28 win and a big one. A very interesting game in Como this week, getting the 31-28 win over Missouri. Arkansas getting back-to-back -back wins, 27-20 over Auburn. I got Ole Miss, Georgia, and a wet one it seems like it's going to be. I got Georgia winning this game 28-20. to 20. Florida, LSU, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. They're giving, they're giving Florida 13-and-a-half. I think Florida's getting LSU at a good time. I think LSU 35-31. Another thing to keep in fact here, I mean, Billy Napier was – Scott Woodward, LSU's AD, chose Brian Kelly over Billy Napier. So there, there's some personal stuff with this one. So I expect Florida to have a good plan, but I think LSU's too explosive. You get the 35-31 win. And then A&M, as long as they don't turn it over – 
personnel is better. They should beat Mississippi State right now. They got them getting the 28-10 win. But transitioning over to the hardwood, hardwood, just some midweek review for you right here. Let's pull it up, share the screen for you. Monday's action. We talked a little bit on the show. Georgia, them and Vandy took the two losses in the midweek. Oregon getting the 82-71 win over Georgia. Georgia, I just – where are they going to get their offense? Is it Noah Tomlinson? That's going to be Mike White's struggle in his second year, I think, is finding a true score. Uh, a lot of these scores you're going to see. Tennessee, 80-42 to over Tennessee Tech. I mean, Tennessee, I think, is one of the more elite teams in college basketball. Very deep. They're obviously always going to defend well. Um, I think Dalton Connects can be one of the best players in the league. Toby Awaka didn't even play that much. Santiago Vescovi coming back. I mean, then you have Zakai Ziegler come back. Tennessee's going to be pretty good this year, guys. And one of my favorite guys, uh, Josiah Jordan-James in the league. Got a dominant win against Tennessee Tech. South Carolina and Lamont Pairs were struggling a little bit with South Carolina Upstate, but ultimately got the 82-53 win. It's always good to start off 1-0 there. Ole Miss struggled a little bit. We're down late in the second half to Alabama State, but ultimately got the 69-59 win. They need guys like Jermaine Breakfield, the Duke transfer, to step up. Now, I know he was on Ole Miss last year, but right now it looks like Ole Miss is going to struggle a little bit. They really needed Brandon Murray and Musa Cisse. I know Musa Cisse ain't really been an offensive threat, big defensive threat. Remember, he was the former Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year at Oklahoma State. They're going to miss both those guys, I think. Not that they really had them, but they really were probably banking on them. I just don't know how Ole Miss generates a lot of offense, and I hate making assumptions off just one game. But, again, Ole Miss getting the 10-point win at home against Alabama State. Missouri getting the 101-79 win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. They got a real test coming up this week against Memphis tomorrow night. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. Missouri looks solid. They look solid. Cam East, I thought, did a good job. No Carter looked pretty good. Caleb Grill, the Iowa State transfer, I thought, looked pretty good. Uh, Arkansas getting the 93-59 win over Alcorn State. Arkansas kind of got a little edge to them. I mean, Trevon Brazil, who I think is the preseason SEC player of the year, got ejected. Musk got teed up. Real surprise. Um, and Arkansas made over 10 threes. They only did that one time, and that was against Georgia last year. So for people saying Arkansas didn't bring any shooters onto the roster, I, I think that's wrong. I mean, Trevon Mark looks like a true SEC player. The Khalif Battle kid, transferred from Temple, looks like he's a complete SEC player. Arkansas is going to be good. I saw John Fanta with the field of 68 picked Arkansas as his preseason national champ. Arkansas looked solid the other day. Alabama. Putting up 105, getting the 100 bucks show, 105 to 73. Grant Nelson's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. Aaron Estrada, I think Alabama's newcomer is going to be good. Big deal is going to be Alabama defending the rim, just defense in general. When Alabama, Alabama's always going to score. This could be probably their most versatile offensive lineup in Nate Oates' tenure, which is crazy to say, but they're only as good as the, they're usually. They're, Alabama's always going to be good. How good will depend where they finish defensively? They need to just keep the goal to finish probably in the top 50 of defensive efficiency. But again, It'll be tough to stop getting the 105-73 win over Morehead State. Kentucky getting the 40-point win over New Mexico State. Uh, Kentucky still has some injuries, guys, out with Bradshaw. they got to get Big Z back. Kentucky's going to be a wait-and-see approach, but I like what I saw out of the, the, the DJ Wagners of the world this past Monday night. LSU getting the 106-60 win over Mississippi Valley State. Mississippi Valley State may be the worst basketball team in America. There's some high school teams that would beat those guys. But LSU will Baker the transfer. Uh, coming over from Nevada looks solid, but it's tough to take much from a 46-point win over Mississippi Valley State. Florida getting a 93-70 win over Loyola, Maryland, with guys like Walter Clayton not even shooting well. Riley Kugel didn't shoot well either. Florida's going to get that going. They got a big matchup against Virginia tomorrow night, so that'll be interesting. But Florida looked good even when they didn't shoot well. I don't expect that to be a normal thing for them. And then Tyree Samuel. Down in the front court looked pretty good as well. Then AM getting the 78-46 win over Texas AM Commerce. Couldn't take a lot from that. AM again will get tested tomorrow night as well at Ohio State. So we got some good games heading into the week. And then on Tuesday, we had two matchups leading it off. Vanderbilt, probably one of the worst losses in program history. Presbyterian, the blue hose, rolled in to Memorial Coliseum. It used to be a tough place to play when Kevin Stallings was there. And ended an 18-game losing streak. They came into this one with an 18-game losing streak going back to last year. And I know Tyron Lawrence and two other starters for Vanderbilt were at were out, but this is unacceptable. They were down double digits at one point. I mean, they, Vanderbilt was up double digits in the first half and just couldn't put it away. This was a bad performance. This is tough to overcome. Every year, Jerry Stackhouse is an 
unexplainable loss in non-con play. And then they'll go on a run in February. They look good. And they're on the bubble and they just can't get it done. But it goes back to quad four losses like this. That can't happen. I don't care if you're missing three starters. This is a Presbyterian Blue Hose team coming in off 18 straight losses. Can't happen. Auburn losing to Baylor 88-82, one of three SEC losses this week. But I was actually impressed with Auburn. I mean, they were up five with three and a half left, I think, with an 85% chance to win at that point, according to ESPN. But I like the true freshman Aiden Holloway. I think Auburn made some dumb fouls at times. I mean, what was the kid? The kid uh, transferred in from San Diego State I liked for Auburn. But oh, Baker Mazzara had, had just some dumb fouls that were like he was 30 feet away from the goal and having two or three fouls in a matter of five minutes. I mean, stuff like that can't happen. But I was, I was actually really encouraged with Auburn, if I'm being completely honest with you. They look better – not better than I thought, because I, I think they have one of the deeper front courts with Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, and Dylan Cardwell in the conference. And it just all came to their guard play like last year. Wendell Green couldn't get it done, Zepp Jasper. But I think Aiden Holloway, true freshman, is going to be a good player for him. Get another year of Trey Donaldson, that'll step it up. And they got some role guys. I mean, you still got Katie Johnson. Auburn's a tournament team. I fully expect them to be a top six seed in the NCAA tournament, a top 30 team in America. I think they're a top 25 team, even with a loss to Baylor. I actually was impressed with all. I really was. Even in the loss to a top 20 team, Baylor, randomly enough, they put that in South Dakota, Sioux Falls. But again, Auburn taking a loss. Their non-conference schedule isn't great, so they're not going to be able to go get some great top 25 win for a while. This was their opportunity, but again, I think Auburn's going to be fine. I think their guard play is going to be okay, and that was my biggest question mark heading into the season. And then last night, Mississippi State getting a dominating 71-56 win in the Barstool Invitational in Chicago. I mean, that was without Shaquille Moore, uh, it was out obviously without Tolu Griffin and the Murphy kids. So, I mean, Mississippi State went out and just dominated this game really from the midway point of the first half on. A kid I was really impressed with was Trey Ford. A kid from Jackson, Mississippi, had a really good game last night. I mean, what did he go for? He's six or 12 from uh, the field, 50%, five for 10 from three point, 50% three point percentage last night. I mean, 33 minutes, 21 points. Mississippi State, an improved team. Again, like I keep saying, guys, expect eight, nine teams to be in the NCAA tournament this year from the SEC. But Mississippi State, Chris Jans getting a big win at the Barstool Invitational. If you listen to the late tip last night, it's pretty funny. Dave Portnoy, big cat calling the game. Just getting real fired up about their bets. It's not your cat. It's not your normal college basketball uh, broadcast, but it was fun. It was real laid back, fun. Uh, but let's – Let's look at the schedule for this upcoming week for tomorrow and through the weekend before we get into the bets. Mm -hmm. Sorry, pulling it up. Baseball, let me go. We got a ton of matchups in basketball tomorrow. It's sickening how many there are, but it's a great thing. It's a great thing. So, all right, leading us off, South Carolina Upstate just played South Carolina Vanderbilt, trying to get back on this on the on the left column, trying to get that W to get one and one. I think Vanderbilt will get this done, almost in a must-win situation. Texas A&M Commerce, they just played Texas A&M. They'll head to Rupp Arena. Kentucky should get it done. I'm waiting for Kentucky to get some of these guys back from injury and from ineligibility, but they'll be back. Wake Forest, a team that beat Alabama in exhibition Heads to Athens for Georgia and Mike Wright to try to get back on the right path. I like what Steve Forbes at Wake Forest does. Georgia at home, though, give me Georgia. Maybe get a bounce-back win at home against Wake Forest. Texas A&M heads to Columbus. Columbus, Ohio to play Ohio State. Like I mentioned, this will be a tough one. Ohio State has a lot of guys back. Dude, so does Texas A&M. I like Texas A&M better in this game, even though it's on the road, randomly on Peacock. But I like A&M. I think Wade Taylor is going to do his thing. When they get Julius Marble back, I don't know. Virginia against Florida in Charlotte. This will be an interesting one on the ACC network. I think Florida's still just getting used to themselves. The guys like the Iona transfer, Walter Clayton, Tyree Samuel coming over. I could see it being a little bit of a slower start, but I do like Florida to make the tournament. I think Virginia gets the win, though, in ACC country. Remember, this game's played in Charlotte. Gardner-Webb at Arkansas. Not really going to learn more about that. Arkansas is better this year, but they should get a win against Gardner-Webb. Eastern Washington at Ole Miss. Almost better be careful. Eastern Washington's better than Alabama State. I know Utah just beat Eastern Washington by 30, but where's Ole Miss' scoring going to come from? That concerns me. Indiana State at Alabama. The fighting Larry Birds, the Sycamores. Only a 16-point underdog to Alabama and Coleman Coliseum tomorrow night. 
be an interesting game. They like to play up tempo just like Alabama. They like to play Alabama style. So that'll be interesting, but I do think Alabama gets that win. Nickel State at LSU. Nickel State, another bad basketball team, just like when LSU played Mississippi Valley State on Monday night. LSU should be able to handle this, but keep an eye on Will Baker, the transfer from Nevada for LSU. Good player. Southeastern Louisiana heading to Auburn Arena to play Auburn. Auburn should get back on track after a tough loss uh, in South Dakota against Baylor this past week. Memphis at Missouri, one of the it's a good game. It's one of my favorite games of the night. Alabama transfer point guard Javon Quinterly, JQ, will be playing for the Memphis Tigers. They're heading to Columbia, Missouri to play the Missouri Tigers. I like Dennis Gates and his squad. I do. I like Caleb Grill. I like Noah Carter. Um, I like Cam East. I like those guys to get it done. And it's, uh, this Memphis team brought in a lot of transfers, still figuring each other out. Even Missouri at home in this one. Tennessee at Wisconsin. This this is probably my favorite game of the night. Real interesting here. Tennessee already went and gotten a W in Big Ten country in an exhibition at Michigan State about a week and a half ago. I just like Tennessee, man. It's early in the season to get real worked up about wins and losses, just like Auburn. I like Auburn. I was impressed with Auburn, even though they blew a lead late to Baylor. I like Tennessee going on the road to get a win at Wisconsin. Then Virginia Tech at South Carolina. Till I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Give me Virginia Tech. Just a little bit more offense than Lamont Paris's team right now. I think Lamont Paris and his team will improve as the season goes on, but I think early in the season, I like Virginia Tech here in Charlotte. I believe that game is as well. Just reviewing the basketball week it was. The SEC took three midweek losses, but a big slate um, tomorrow. Oh, I still got two more games to show you. Let me share it. Let me go back to you because we got Saturday and Sunday. Just briefly go over the Saturday matchups. You got UT Martin at Mississippi State. Mississippi State should be fine, even with those three guys out. Mississippi State should get another win against the Skyhawks. And then Sunday, you got North Carolina Central against Georgia. Georgia has a real opportunity to get two wins within a, what, 48-hour period. So I expect it with Mike White. Obviously, the Wake Forest game will be key. They need to get two this weekend. But that is the review of the first week of college basketball preview. Tomorrow's night's lineup is awesome. It's awesome. I mean, if you're not a big college basketball fan, this is going to get you in easily to your college football Saturday. At worst, you need to go join and watch your favorite SEC team. The SEC, I'm telling you guys, is going to get eight, nine teams this year. It's going to be a top two league in college basketball. Be shocked if they don't get eight. I bumped it up to nine. I think Missouri's better than people thinking myself gave them credit for going into the year. But before we get you out of here, we got to do it. It's the money-making Weekend. Let me share it for you. Uh, thought I pulled it up. Hmm. Here we go. So as you can see here, it's the money-making weekend. Week 11 picks, we're 44% on the season. We've had four straight losing week. It's got to get right. It's got to get right. So give me, I'm starting off, I got seven matchups here. I like Penn State minus four and a half. This is just a gut feeling against Michigan at home. I like Penn State at home in this one. I don't know about the straight-up win, but I like them minus four and a half. Tennessee minus one. I got the balls beating Missouri. I'm pretty confident in this one. I like Ole Miss plus six and a half in the first half. I really do. I really do. I like Ole Miss plus six half, six and a half in the first half. Then Oklahoma State heading to UCF. I'm going to be giving up a little bit more points, but I like Oklahoma State minus two and a half at UCF. USC, call me crazy. I think they cover plus 15 and a half. And I think 15, I think it's more of a backdoor cover. I can see them being down 21, score late. They cover. That's why I took USC. I like their offense there. I just don't think they'll be able to stop anybody. Ole Miss versus Georgia. Uh, I did like the over 59 and a half. I sent this to my graphic girl. I don't feel very confident about this one anymore. But we're going to keep it on here. It's already entered into the system, the model. So we're going to keep it over 59 and a half. But I really like Mississippi State, Texas A&M under 53 and a half. Um. Across the board, though, I may go back and change that Ole Miss versus Georgia one. And now that – she sent it to me. I don't like it. I'll probably add someone. So stay, pay attention to my social media, whether that's on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I'll probably take that one off for you listeners out there. But again, Penn State minus four and a half at home against Michigan. Tennessee minus one at Missouri. 
Ole Miss plus six and a half in the first half against um, against Georgia. Oklahoma State minus two and a half in Orlando against UCF. USC plus 15 at Oregon. They could be backdoor cover. Probably going to take off Ole Miss versus Georgia over 59 and a half. And Mississippi State versus Texas A&M under 43 and a half. But – Let me stop sharing it for you. But we covered a ton on this episode. A ton. Um, Went over the college football playoff rankings. SEC maybe need a little help, especially if it's Alabama. Georgia gets in, they're in. They're undefeated. Just the one-loss SEC team may need a little help. Should be a fan of TCU this week, Penn State this week, um, Utah, USC. Those are the kind of teams you need to be cheering for if you're in Alabama. Uh, we talked about Lane Kiffin's issues with meeting with his player, DeSanto Rollins. We talked about that one. I encourage you to go back and listen. We reviewed all seven conference matchups this week. We have seven conference games across the board. Should be a great slate. We talked about the week 11, best bets of the weekend. Then we reviewed the week one of college basketball in the SEC and previewed the rest of the week. Major matchups tomorrow. Tennessee, Wisconsin, Memphis, Missouri, Virginia Tech, South Carolina, Florida, Virginia, great matchup that can get you into your entire weekend. But again, again, if you like what we're doing, go rate and review us. It's simple. Go like and subscribe. Uh, you can get us on all, um, all audio. Um, we're on all podcast platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all of it. Please go like and review that. If you can't listen to the show live, I'll put it up on YouTube right after. But again, I appreciate you joining us on this episode of Mock 10 Sports. You have a fantastic weekend. Keep following us on Mock 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.